Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today I speak with Caroline Afido, based in Nairobi, Kenya. Caroline currently serves as the general manager in Kenya for Turaco, a micro-insured tech startup that provides simple, affordable health and life insurance to low-income earners, distributing their products through partnerships with leading businesses in Kenya and Uganda. Previously, she worked at MicroInsure for over eight years, based in Accra, Ghana, where her many roles involved engaging a wide range of clients, including telcos, financial institutions, and social impact organizations. She likes to develop simple but robust engagement strategies and to lead teams to execute rigorously and effectively. Caroline has worked across both West and East Africa, as well as some exposure to developing markets in Asia and contributing to business strategy at a global level. With this perspective, she has developed strong personal values centered around an appreciation for diversity, respect for internal and external customers, and a focus on the big picture. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to the Everyday Leader. It's great to have you here, and welcome to the show. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've seen that you've worked uh, across uh, insurance for uh, a number of years, uh, almost your full career. What drew you to insurance originally? Yeah, thanks, Chris, for that question. I think what drew me to insurance is the fact that I am passionate about social impact. And I see insurance as a tool to impact the lives of vulnerable communities in Africa. Amazing. And so tell us a little bit about uh, your early career. I know that you're now a general manager at uh, Turaco, Kenya, but I believe you started your journey in Ghana and you've you know, worked at a number of different companies. So uh, where did your uh, leadership journey begin and, and how did you uh, end up getting to where you are now? My, my leadership um, experience started in, um, in Ghana, as you said earlier, um, in an insurance company. Um, I was 25 years old. I was young and obviously ambitious. <laughs> um, I was leading a team of three salespeople in a company that was transitioning from um, low performance to high performance. And obviously the sales function was critical, was a critical part of, of that transition. Uh, and obviously there was a lot of pressure to deliver on targets. My team was equally young and dynamic, um, but we were generally energized to, to make an impact. Um, the fact that we could all you know, do this together and, and grow together and see impact. Um, that was my first leadership experience, really. And being conscious of this, um, I didn't know much. Uh, I was new. So I relied heavily on my manager. I would normally observe and, you know, copy his style of management and, and adapt that to my team. I think the lessons for me in, in that first experience was that um, you need to be a quick learner, really, um, both for the functional and the people's side. Um, the lesson for me there is that you don't need to have all the answers really, and you can, you can learn. You just need to be able to learn quickly and make, take advantage of the teachable, the teachable moments. Um, secondly, I doubted myself a lot, <laughs> but eventually you have to learn to be confident, um, at that very age, uh, very early age should be relied a lot on my self-confidence. And then finally, yeah, you have to be able to learn and listen to your team. Um, <laughs> you have to create like a feedback loop where people are speaking to you and giving you feedback and you doing the same. This is really how that experience, you know, has brought me this far into 
into where I am now. Um, like I said before, I started off in a traditional insurance company and then uh, went into got the opportunity to work for to work with a micro insurance company, and that is where I think I have my career has been up until now. Amazing. So I want to uh, unpack a few things there because you mentioned in that first role that there was the functional skills and then there was the people skills. Now, on the functional skills, you said that you were in sales and that you had a few different salespeople working with you. How did you dive into that uh, at the age of 25? I've heard from others that I've spoken with that uh, there's almost a uh, distaste or, or uh, uncomfort with uh, doing sales roles, but it is the reality that most uh, entry-level roles are sales. So how did you go about kind of being open to a sales role and then diving in and becoming ses- successful at sales? Right. Um, prior to that experience, I so my career really started at a very young age. Um, I had been in partnership management roles and sales roles before. So I had some proud experience um, with regards to sales. And then obviously I want to give a lot of credit to my manager and my peers at that time who really held my hand and provided the necessary support I needed to be able to lead the team effectively. And how did you leverage uh, being successful and diving into sales into then a people leadership role? the the sales role is pretty straightforward there are there are techniques you can learn there are skills you can get there's a bit of confidence you need as well to speak to people and you know get them interested in your products uh, a bit of negotiation skills as well but when it comes to people skills it's, it's a bit more complicated and you need a lot of coaching if you're you know you are in a situation like i did and needed you know all the support that i needed um so relying on being able to speak to your your managers being able to get help ask for help as much as possible and not rely on your own understanding but really you you don't know it uh, reading a lot of books reading a lot of you know observing a lot from people as well that that helps as well because people are different and you really can't apply the same principles to every member of your team so um, the culture of the organization also comes to play as much as, you know, the individual tactics that you need to employ uh, in dealing with each individual person in the team. And so you worked in several different roles with MicroInsure, and I saw even that you uh, pulled uh, what might be called as a boomerang, where you worked at MicroInsure, left MicroInsure, and then returned to <laughs> MicroInsure, if I understand that right. Can you tell us a little bit more about what MicroInsure did and what your roles uh, were there? So I started off um, my career actually in MicroInsure as a, as a partnership manager. Um, I was responsible for the management of key partnerships such as um, telcos. We, I, I run the project with, tel- with the, the first MicroInsurance uh, project with, tel- with Tigo Insurance. Uh, which is currently now called BMA Insurance. Uh, we run a couple of projects as well with certain banks, uh, like Barclays as well, and then a couple of other NGOs that I manage directly. Um, so that was um, mainly, my main, my main role was in partnership. Um, and then a bit of sales where we're, we're working together as a team, assisting the, the country manager at the time. 
to onboard new clients, um, new partnerships. Um, that also entailed the development of the right products and uh, deployment of the same products with you know the right strategic partners that we had, or sourcing new partners to you know to distribute those products through. Um, so that was a, a mix of partnership and a mix of and, and a bit of sales in there. Um, then um, I got the opportunity to go work in Saham Insurance, um, the, which is where I had my first um, significant um, leadership experience. I was there for a couple of months leading big projects, really heading the alternative distribution channel. And like I mentioned before, the company was in transition. We needed to get the company to you know, a high performing company. And therefore, uh, it was critical that the company introduced, you know, looked out of the traditional distribution channels and introduced some, some new distribution, alternative distribution um, partners. And this was what I was responsible for together with my team, with a lot of support from the CEO then. Um, and then, um, yeah, obviously, things were going on very well. Um, but I think that I, I managed to leave um, <laughs> a good, um, I managed to leave a good uh, reputation back at Microinsure. Uh, so um, I was I was given an offer to come back to Microinsure in a regional role, a bigger, much bigger role. And I've, like I said before, obviously at that age, very young, very ambitious, um, and very confident, um, willing to take on additional roles, bigger roles. Um, so I took the role, I took the offer and came back into American Shore in a in a regional role where I was responsible for engagement, uh, customer engagement involved all the communication, uh, marketing training, customer understanding, product information, all of all, all that bit, um, responsible for that across Africa. Um, and then, yeah. After a couple of years, um, and obviously at that time, we there was a huge partnership with Etel across um, a couple of different markets in Africa, which I was also responsible for in, in the capacity of engagement manager. For those that don't know, uh, okay. can you share a little bit about how those partnerships work? Uh, from my understanding, it's really cool in that a company like MicroInsure goes to a major telecom and says, you know, for this rate, you can suddenly at like, you know, a flip of a switch offer insurance for anyone who's spending a certain amount of airtime. And so instantly you have just made a certain type of insurance, usually either life insurance or health insurance uh, available to millions of people. Is that uh, the partnerships that you were working on? Yes, definitely those partnerships. Um, normally, the microinsurance industry, so microinsurance inclusive, Turaco inclusive, um, the model is based on a B2B, uh, B2B agreement. Um, the intermediary, which is um, Turaco or microinsurance, goes to the partner and offers to improve certain aspects of the core business through the distribution of insurance to their customers. Um, and this is how the model really works. Um, there are different types of ways where we are able to, you know, distribute this product. There's a free, the free model. And this really works mostly with telcos. Um, so the telco would say that use, you know, use a certain level of, or reach a certain criteria of usage, and then you can get free insurance. Um, until a point where we're able to prove to customers, especially because of the issues of trust. Um, lots of people don't trust that insurance companies actually pay. 
Um, so we use this model to get people to experience the products. And after that, now there's a paid version of the product where customers are being told. Um, because you've already experienced this and you can attest that the product works, uh, pay this, uh, this level of premium uh, to, to maintain the same level of cover or pay additional premium to extend cover to loved ones, which are your family members. So yeah, technically this is how the, the structure works with, with partners. Amazing. Uh, I've seen it firsthand myself with my work uh, at Pula, where we also you know, would try to work with through partners uh, to make uh, this type of add-on insurance available for existing customers as a value add, usually not requiring that the customer pay more specifically for that service, but uh, it, it's more of a incentive to uh, buy more and to be loyal to to that brand. Uh, yeah. But it, it definitely goes a long ways, not just towards providing that insurance protection uh, to particularly vulnerable uh, people who may not you know, have experienced or been able to access insurance before, uh, but it also helps, like you said, increase awareness and trust and visibility into what insurance can do and, and being able to have those events where you know, you, you do the payouts, which is, I always felt a bit weird because it's like, it's a good event in that you can showcase what insurance delivers, but it's usually a fairly sad event. Like even with yeah. uh, crop insurance, <laughs> it's like, oh yes, we just, you know, provided all these payouts to farmers, but uh, it's because they just had a really bad yield. So uh, insurance is definitely a tough uh, business, but we'll, we'll dive more into that. <laughs> Uh, when we talk about your current uh, role at Taraco. But before we do that, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into this idea of uh, boomeranging or returning to a company because the reality is we all live and work long careers. And I, I think at least myself would always feel, okay, once you're at a company and you've moved on, it's kind of like you can't really go back to that person or that company rather. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily true. And I think, uh, you are an example of that where you can, you know, pursue something else. And then the company, because you've left in a great, you know, uh, esteem and, and you've, you performed in that role that they are more than happy to have you return and, and, uh, perform in, in another role. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you set yourself up for success and being able to return and then you'll continue to grow uh, with the likes of microinsure and what your advice might be to others as they pursue these types of long-term minded uh, career building. Um, yeah, thanks for that question. Um, <laughs> I honestly do feel like the, I just did my job really. I, I focused on being excellent at my job. Um, I did not allow my job to drown me. <laughs> I did not allow myself to drown in my job. Um, I collaborated well with everyone um, that was needed to be collaborated with, especially with, <clears throat> with partners, with uh, senior members of the company, with my peers, and also with subordinates. Um, I think that I, I was focused as well, being focused on the, you know, the goals that I expected of you is key, and um, delivering on those goals are important and also being willing to learn really as quickly as possible. And 
yeah, um, I would say those are the key things that I did. I don't generally feel like I did something exceptional. I was just, just delivered on, on what I needed to do. All right. Just do your job. I like that. That's good, solid <laughs> advice. And uh, you can't really go wrong if you just execute and, and, and work hard. That's so true. I also wanted yeah. to ask you about uh, your uh, growth in terms of uh, location, because it looks like, you know, after a few years at MicroInsure in Ghana, you relocated to Nairobi. Uh, can you tell us about what that transition was like um, and um, you know, why you've continued to uh, be based in East Africa? Um, yeah, East, East Africa, I, 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 said, I say now is my, my second home. <laughs> uh, I love it here. Uh, the people are nice. Um, the weather is great. Um, generally, it, it feels like home. Um, I transitioned to East Africa from Ghana because actually of my husband. He, my family got an opportunity. My husband got an opportunity here to, to work in another company. And um, MicroInsure was able to give me a transfer over here. Uh, at the time, MicroInsure's regional office was based here. So it was easy to, as someone who was working on the, on the regional team, it was easy to just transition into this, this role in the Kenya office. Amazing. That's great to work for an organization that can be so accommodating and, and also uh, a great opportunity for you as well to kind of broaden uh, your own uh, visibility and impact. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, moving forward to Taraco, tell us uh, a bit more about what Taraco does. I know it's also in the insurance sector uh, and you're now uh, a general manager. So I would love to also hear about how your role uh, and the scope of that role has, has evolved so far in, in the first year that you've been there. Yeah, Turaco is an exciting young company that is on a mission to free people from the fear of financial shocks. Uh, and that mission connects to me on a very personal level. Um, I spent most of my career, like I said before, in the migrant insurance industry anyways. And I think that it's really cool um, that I got my first general management position in a startup like Turaco and also within the same industry um, that I'm as passionate about. Um, having the opportunity to work with young, ambitious, capable and passionate people makes it a dream job. What do I do in Turaco really? Um, together with the CEO, I am responsible for the strategic direction of the company. Um, in addition to managing the day-to-day -day operations of, of it for, you know, for long-term success. As a general manager, my role is really to operationalize the mission of the company in very tangible ways. Uh, this happens through the development of the right products, um, deployment of these products through, you know, the right strategic partnerships, and really just managing the overall profitability of the business in Kenya. Uh, I'd like to add that I, I feel really privileged to be, to be in this role, especially because of, you know, the mission of the company, which inspires me, and also the wonderful people that I get to call my team. Amazing. And so in this general manager role, uh, what is kind of the, the biggest uh, difference uh, in terms of the type of day-to-day -day, uh, versus your past role? Um, I think the, the, biggest, the biggest difference would be um, people management. 
um, and trying to find a, a fine balance between, you know, the functional task and, and caring for the people. Um, that is, that has become, you know, the, that is the biggest challenge that, uh, and the biggest difference actually that I find be between my role now and my previous roles. Uh, my previous roles, I would say, were more task focused. Um, but now we, we are aware that you need to develop, de deliver on task. However, you need to do it through people. So being able to manage, you know, the expectations of people, the emotions of people, the feelings of people, the motivation of people as against the task that needs to be developed is the biggest, uh, the biggest difference that I find in, in what I do now. And do you have an example of a type of initiative or uh, project that you get to you know, be hands-on with and, and how uh, your collaboration style kind of plays out? Um, I think generally collaborations on projects follows like a, a well-defined process, right? Uh, so it's really about effectively cascading the, the mission of the, of the company um, to strategic objectives, and then to operational objectives, and then to task and managing the KPIs, making just making sure that everybody understands this, and that once that happens, there's a bit of a lot of collaboration going on. There's a lot of ownership as well um, within the company, where you know everybody owns their there's individual ownership of tasks, um, which is you know coupled with collaboration. I'll give you an example of it of a task that we are managing. Um, an example would be, for instance, a partner, there are SLAs, right, with partnerships that are meant to be delivered on. Um, however, we've seen that probably that SLA is like a claim SLA. We're meant to pay claims within 48 hours of receipt of complete documentation. Uh, an example would be that a claim has not been paid within that time. This is me collaborating with the team, getting into a meeting and, and asking questions about what are the reasons why this claim has delayed? What can we do better? Um, do I need to call you know, a colleague in an insurance company to make sure that these claims are paid on time to, to give the necessary reasons uh, and get them to pay the claims on time? These are examples of how we would normally collaborate um, together on, on projects. And you said that this role, kind of uh, the biggest shift was around people management. Uh, what's been the the biggest challenge uh, with that new type of uh, increased responsibility? The biggest challenge is caring, showing, making sure that you are caring for the people, and and also delivering on on tasks. So an example would be that when obviously when the pandemic hit, the staggers that are meant to be delivered on there are numbers that need to be delivered on. However, there's a pandemic. There's um, the safety of the people need to be, you know, taken seriously and prioritized. Um, but I'm very proud of what Turaku was able to do in the sense that in that in that space of time, we were able to prioritize the health of people and allow people to, to work from home for as long as they needed, whilst you know, also relaxing on you know the targets and being realistic and practical about what can be achieved given the circumstances uh, and the economic conditions at the time. Amazing. And so uh, you mentioned earlier that you know, your career started in sales and, and partnership uh, development and that you were very ambitious. How would you say that your leadership style has evolved to what it is uh, today? Generally, I understand that you need to 
you know, put the right processes in place and, and trust the people. Uh, I've adjusted a lot in that regard um, that you need to try, you need to be able to trust the process and trust the people. Uh, otherwise, obviously, you're going to end up doing the work yourself and nobody wants that. So trusting the people, giving them the right support and leaving them to be creative about how they go about the job as, as so far as they are delivering on, on the targets. Um, the other thing that has really you know changed or I've really ad adapted to is the, the fact that in Turaco, um, one of our, and that's from a personality point of view, one of our key values um, is to have fun. Um, and that has really shaped me in a way that now I'm able to relax um, and have fun with my work and have fun at work. And then um, thirdly, I would say that uh, there's a bit more focus on, for me, on inspiring action rather than directing action. Um, those are the key things that I would say have, uh, have adapted really in my leadership style along the years. And so Turaco was founded only back in 2019. So it's very much still a early stage startup. Uh, what would you say are some interesting um, best practices that you have seen Turaco uh, implement in terms of, you know, things like uh, remote working or technology that uh, engages directly with customers? Turaco, yeah, um, I'll say that Turaco, yeah, definitely aside from remote working, um, there's a bit of flexibility in working hours as well. We are allowing people, we trust that our people are working and they're delivering on, on, on the target. So people have the flexibility to work um, within certain hours that are, make sense for the company. Um, obviously, we are, we're using more collaborative tools, uh, leveraging on technology as well. Um, in modern days, you find that a lot of people are sending less emails and using more collaborative tools. And that is something that Turaco has done very well. We are also seeing that, and especially the couple of service uh, research out there where yeah, more young people. Turaco is a really young company. And um, aside from the company itself, the people are also young and really dynamic and and culturally diverse. We're seeing a lot more young people wanting to work for companies that have a purpose, you know, a purpose that they can align to. And we've seen, Turaco has seen a preview of this uh, playing out where we're able to translate our purpose into, you know, the day-to-day -day of, of people. And it's interesting how, you know, what the next step looks like, um, where our people can actually influence the, the purpose of the company. Amazing. And so here you are now as a general manager at a really uh, innovative, fast moving uh, startup. What comes next for you? Well, what comes next for me is um, I think I'm, I'm really, first of all, um, I want to continue to make social impact, uh, so to continue to grow the business and ensure that, you know, as a vision of Turaco goals, we want to double the number of people um the number of vulnerable people who have insurance so continue to do that and driving the the business in kenya to profitability um the second for me is also uh, being passionate about coaching um and giving young people the opportunity to lead i was fortunate enough to to give to get the opportunity to lead at a very young age and because of that i'm passionate about this 
uh, about passionate about giving young people leadership challenges. Um, it, I see that it, it, grooms, it grooms them well uh, at an early age, and especially in our African context where the, there are issues of ageism, people people have the view that young people should not lead, especially when there are older people involved. Um, but given the chance of seeing people demonstrate that um, age should not be a barrier. Um, so definitely, yes, growing the business, um, making continue to make an impact and continue to you know coach and groom young people into leadership. That's so true. And I, I also had a similar experience when I was in my uh, mid-20s leading you know large teams and felt the same way. <laughs> And now that I'm in my uh, almost mid thirties, um, I'm wondering if I'll if I'll feel the same way, you know, in my forties, reporting to someone who's in their twenties. I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we, we'll see. Yeah, but I'm very sure that because um, I'm hopeful that because you've you've had that experience, um, your reaction will be will be more yes. positive. Yeah. I'll be my ego will be away, and I'll I'll just enjoy watching the young leader make the mistakes that I made as well. Yeah. Um, just as we wrap, I, I'd love to hear if you have uh, thoughts or predictions about the future of insurance. You've obviously, you know, devoted a big part of your early career to microinsurance and, uh, you know, across multiple regions. So uh, I'd love to, you know, hear from you um, what you see uh, coming up in, in future years. Great. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges facing the microinsurance industry and even the insurance insurance industry as a whole is distribution. Distribution, um, which means trying to get the right products to the vulnerable people who need it the most. Um, traditionally, we, we, we reach people through, you know, sales agents and, and bundling of products uh, with commodities that, you know, people would normally assess. But the opportunity here and the trend that I'm seeing here is being able to circumvent, go around that and reach people directly, reach customers directly. And uh, I can refer you to the, the mobile phone. Uh, I feel like it's the most dynamic technology invention ever. Uh, every, you know, every single person <laughs> seems to have a phone one way or the other, can be reached over phone. So the trend here is being able to get to people directly without, you know, relying too heavily on a distribution partner or like a an intermediary who sells a product to to the to the end user in this case after you know the product um, the customer experience has ended uh, for instance if it's an mfi or a financial institution after that loan has ended what next the insurance product with the customer continues uh, it doesn't end with the with the distribution partner and I see, I see how Turaco, we, we, we are able to, to do this. We'll probably be the trendsetters on this, where we are currently now uh, exploring, you know, robocalls, um, using our telesales and robocalls to, to reach customers and distribute products to them. I also see the use of um, artificial intelligence technology in, in improving claims processing and overall customer experience for, for our end users. These are the trends that I see that I feel that um, we can we can leverage on to improve um, the insurance industry overall. 
Oh no, I, <laughs> I hope there's not too many robocalls or there at least will be some do not call lists that they can opt, out, opt into. <laughs> yeah. um, just kidding. I think uh, <laughs> you're, you're spot on there. And, and thank you so much for sharing your insights about the insurance sector and, and also opening up and sharing your own leadership story, uh, kind of growing into the insurance sector and, and really um, blossoming into a leader uh, and, and getting this across kind of continental experience already at such a, a relatively young age. So uh, thank you so much for your time and wishing you the best uh, in your leadership story as it evolves and also wishing uh, you and the team at Taraco are the best as well. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.